Welcome to the Perceptive Podcast. My name's Morgan, and in this podcast, I'll be discussing conspiracy theories, ghost stories, and unbelievable tales. I'm a second-year media student, but in my free time, I enjoy watching videos and listening to podcasts about conspiracy theories and ridiculous tales. From my own stories that have spooked me so much that I couldn't sleep for days to the tops of the worlds where Yeti may frolic through the mountain tops, I'll be researching conspiracy theories. <laughs> Stop laughing at me! I'm trying! <laughs> okay, so basically, this podcast is about conspiracy theories, ghost stories, and as you can tell, I do have a guest with me today. Hi! This is Mila, and she's a second-year student along with me. <laughs> I'm like 10 years younger, and we're in the same year. <laughs> That's so depressing. That is. It's for you, not for me. I find it funny <laughs> as hell. It's, it's depressing for me. It, yeah, but... <laughs> I get that. Well, you're nine years younger, not eight. Okay, uh, like there's nine and a month, but like there's a period <laughs> in the year where you're 10 years older than me. Yeah. So, you know, in that month, I thrive. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so basically, yeah, um, this podcast is about talking about conspiracies, ghost stories, unbelievable tales, as I said. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce the conspiracy or the story and then tell you about the theories and then we're going to have a discussion about it. Sure. And uh, I invited you on because you believe in ghosts or... Well, believe is a strong word, but like I, I don't rule them out. Like we, we don't know what happens uh, after yeah, we die. Yeah, so, you like, know... Well, I'm a skeptic, so like it's better than me. Like, yeah I, okay I, fair I, but like i i, I believe believe is hard word. like i i don't rule out anything you know so mm. because i don't i don't know shit you're so open-minded to everything I'm open-minded. <laughs> <laughs> right okay so this conspiracy or story or whatever you want to call it let me set the scene this story takes place on an island co- called aelin moor which is located 96 kilometers from the west coast of scotland and it's barely 400 meters across and just 48, excuse me, 43 acres in total. The island is, a, is the largest of small isles that make up the Flannan Isles. Aelin Moor is set in the remote wilderness of the Northern Atlantic Sea, which it's surrounded by. So it's just slap bang in the middle of the sea. Well, not slap bang in the middle, but it's just surrounded by the Northern Atlantic Sea. Fun. But yeah, it's, it's, it, it's a really small island and it was completely uninhabited, except there were three buildings. The lighthouse, built in 1899 and is 23 meters high. The, the keeper's living quarters and a small room that was once a chapel named the Blessing Chapel. So there is absolutely no one there the, except like three people. Yeah, pretty much. There's that sounds like the dream. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get into that a bit, a, a bit later. Because there's some stuff about the island you, you might not like. Is it Satan? Because yes, I'm down to <laughs> Satan, you know. I'm gay. I'm going to hell anyways. <laughs> That's how it works, right? Okay, so a bit more about the island. Rising sharply from the water, the southern end of Aylan Moor is a steep series of cliffs that stand around 45 meters tall. And the island slopes towards the northern tip of the island, where the cliffs reach over 60 meters. The sea around the area is so dangerous, it was decided in 1895 that a lighthouse should be built in Aylan Moor. This location was chosen because this island had a suitable bit of land which was flat enough where they could easily build a lighthouse. However, the island proved more difficult than originally thought. All supplies had to be hauled up the 45 meter tall cliff face from ships that were lurching about in the water below. How could you not think that was difficult? Is that is <laughs> like, you're just there and you see this like giant mountain island and you're just like, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, it's like, hey, that looks easy enough to build a lighthouse on. Except for the 45 meter sheer cliff face. 
Yeah, and then <laughs> just you need materials and shit. Like you need bricks. Bricks are yeah. important, and you need like a light for like the lighthouse. <laughs> How did that not shatter? <laughs> it's like, you need you, you need light because it's like you know a lighthouse. <laughs> I don't know anything more about building shit, so I like out bricks and <laughs> a <the> light. light. <laughs> That's how you build it. Yeah, you just stack all the bricks up one by one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like in a circle, because I know, like, foundation. And then you just go up. Maybe a stair, so you can, like, actually reach the light, and that's it. Oh, God, I can't stop laughing. I feel okay. laughed at. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this island was not fit for humans, as it leaves people to complete exposure to the vicious northern Atlantic winds. Also, it wasn't just the geography that made the island foreboding. It was home to strange legends of unearthly dwellers that haunted the island. I'm just curious. If no one lived there, how did the legends arrive? Like, how are they like... They see this island, and they have never been there, but they're like, well, there's shit there. I don't know how I know this, because I've never been there, but like, there's shit there. Okay, so so that chapel that I mentioned that was built on the island, yeah, that was actually built in the seventh century, and then pilgrims would go and visit it. So, or pilgrims or That's monks, like, and, like such a hassle. Yeah, and 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 the last known person to live on the island was Saint Flannan, which the Flannan Isles are named after. It seems in the middle of nowhere. What's the point? I don't know. Like, who decided that they wanted these randomized islands to have a chapel? Because. It's so hard to reach. Just d- make it in your, like, village or shit. Yeah, I, d- I, I don't know. I curse a lot. Can I curse? Yeah. Cr- okay, great. Yeah, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> anyway, however, despite the strong winds and ghost stories, the Flannan Isles Lighthouse was lit for the first time on the 7th of December, 1899. These isles hold one of the greatest mysteries of the Northern Atlantic Ocean. It is a mystery that happened over 100 years ago when the only three inhabitants of the island, the first men to ever maintain this lighthouse, just vanished without a trace. Th- they just vanished. They just vanished. So, so are you sure you still want to live here? I mean, how did like they they just vanished? Was there ship because of course they have to reach the island in mm-hmm. some way, right? Was their ship still there? Well, that's the thing. Like I, for, for all my research, it I couldn't tell that they had their own ship or boat or anything, because as uh, as I'm going to explain a bit later, they'd get relief every, uh, every once in a while. So every um, two to three weeks, I believe. I've got it written down somewhere, I believe. But um, So so every, every few weeks, uh, someone would come and bring a fourth person that would replace the one of the lighthouse keepers. And, okay, so there's four, like technically four lighthouse keepers. Yeah, there's technically And every four. time there's one that's not there. Yeah. But they don't have their own ship or sh- Like they, they have, there was no records of them having their own ship no like for, from what i could find no they didn't have a ship what if they i don't know wanted to like go fishing or some sh- something like well, just you, could, like you could do fishing off the cliff or something yeah but like they, that's so high they, no, i'm they afraid d- of heights what if they're afraid <laughs> of heights <laughs> why would you be a lighthouse keeper if you're afraid of heights you have to go up to the light and make sure it's working because <laughs> someone dared you to i don't know I'm petty enough to do that okay, if someone no, no, would no, like, no, to, like okay. you don't dare to do that. Okay, so they did have a dock. They had a dock where the ship would come drop off supplies and stuff. Because they did need to get supplies, like food. I yeah, mean, of course. I highly doubt there, were any, there was like, any food on the island because it's like 400 meters across. I like, mean, you can grow something, but like not a lot. <laughs> you'd be able to grow like one plant. No, but like there were only three people, so you don't need a lot of food. Yeah, no. Like, so you could like have your own... What's the Dutch word, f- the the English word for mustang? 
It was like garden, garden with fruits and shit. Yeah, like so. I garden. <laughs> garden. <laughs> so you know, I guess maybe they could grow some things of their own, but they also need clean water. So, yeah. I mean, you can boil some water, but that is—it's really hard to clean seawater, though. You—they got rainwater. Rainwater, yeah, but not a l- like. You it's can't it's, predi- it's Scotland. They, they oh, okay, fair. They get like one day of sun a year. <laughs> okay, fair. Yeah, <laughs> continue. <laughs> okay. Shortly after the one-year anniversary of the light of the lighthouse completion, something changed on the quiet little island. Captain Holman of the steamer Arctur, who was passing by the area en route to Leith, Scotland, on December fifteenth, noticed that the lighthouse's lamp was not shining. He sent a wireless to the Cosmopolitan Line Steamers, CLS, headquarters, to report the outrage, but the Lighthouse Digest reports that CLS failed to notify the Northern Lighthouse Board because other more pressing matters caused it to escape from memory. So basically, there was a boat passing by on the 15th of December, noticed the lighthouse wasn't working, and reported it, and Northern Lighthouse Board said, oh, we've got more important stuff, and they just forgot about it. Well, then you're not good at your job. <laughs> that sounds like like the lighthouse was built for a reason. Yeah, right? <laughs> okay. The situation became more perilous as only days before what, uh, what should have been the end of the three men's shift, bad weather came to the islands. This delayed the arrival of the fourth attendant who was going to replace one of the men on December 20th, but could not make the trip until things had cleared up on December 26th when investigating uh, they could find no trace of the crew. So, so you remember we were talking about how one man would come and yeah. replace the other one. Basically, because of the harsh conditions and like the isolation, and like spending weeks at a time with only three people, yeah, you you would need to switch out and stuff. And of course, otherwise you kill each other. Yeah, pretty much. And also, ev- like every few weeks to get food. So, but yes, yeah, so this 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 was delayed due to the really bad weather. Uh, the uh, the crew of the lighthouse was four men strong, three of whom stayed at the lighthouse at any one time, and a fourth would rotate to the Isle of Lewis, which was 32 kilometers away, every two weeks. So, two weeks. Okay. Actually, it isn't so bad. So then you're there for six weeks, have two weeks off, and then you're there again for six weeks. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah, and then it says here the uh, the rotation was in order to uh, the the rotation was in order to rest, recuperate from high levels of responsibility unforgiving climate and oppressive isolation from the island so yeah because you're in the middle of no you the closest island is 32 kilometers away that's a lot yeah and then the closest like main bit of land was scotland was 96 kilometers away so i guess you do feel a bit isolated not a bit you're there with three (laughs) others two others you're there with the three of you and then you're just sitting there waiting (laughs) What year was this again? Uh, 1899. So they did not have a TV? They did they not have a TV. No, you're so lonely. Yeah. I would not survive that without like you, some like, form of entertainment. I would like books, maybe. I don't know. I don't yeah, books. Or, or maybe they just went gay. I, I'm done. <laughs> Honestly, that's that's my theory. They're gay. They're all gay. They're just, because otherwise, you're six weeks alone three with two others and like once a while there's a rotation like they have a foursome (laughs) (laughs) like every once in a while there's one not there and the other three are just dating and no one suspects a thing because no one is there to suspect anything well i mean yeah like because homosexuality was illegal back then exactly so i guess maybe (laughs) okay so anyway uh a bit about a bit about the crew 
The most senior and principal keeper was James Ducat. He was 43 years old and married with four children. Wait, his last name is Ducat? Ducat. Ducat. Okay, yeah, Ducat. I, I, I heard Ducat <laughs> and I was just like, that's amazing. But okay, continue. I'm sorry. Uh, he already spent 20 years in lighthouse service and during the construction of Aylenmore, he had spent 14 months acclimatizing himself to the island when... Uh, so when the men made their move there full time, he was already familiar with every facet of the landscape and also in preparation for the harsh conditions of the island. The second assistant keeper was Thomas Marshall. He was 28 years old and unmarried. Me. <laughs> <laughs> literally. No, wait, one more year and uh, then it's literally. One more year, yeah. But be not being married at 28 in this time and age, it, it doesn't really matter because... A lot of people are not married yet. Oh, yeah, in this day and age. But back then, it was a bit weird. Back then, you're just like... What is wrong with him? Yeah. Uh, okay, so the third man was a man named Donald MacArthur, 40 years old and married. He was, in fact, an occasional keeper, standing in for the first assistant keeper, who was away on extended sick leave. Joseph Moore was the fourth and last member of the crew and was the keeper that was on sick leave. He was a man who, on, on the 26th of December, 1900, stood on the bow of the relief vessel Hespesperus, watching for the welcoming party as it approached Aylin Moor to restock food and fuel for the crew and rotate personnel. So, sorry, it wasn't in 1899. That was when the lighthouse was built. Okay. This happened in 1900. Still no TV, I guess. Still no TV, okay, yeah. Okay, great. I mean, I, it still have fun with each other, but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Playing cards, you know, butt stuff. <laughs> Monopoly <laughs> All kinds of activities Well okay so basically they'll take it in shifts To yeah. uh, to sleep, eat etc So when uh, I, th I think the shifts were from 2 to 6 uh, 6 to Whenever ba Basically it would, it would rotate every okay. once in a while I, I, I forgot to note down the exact times Captain Jim Harvey was supposed to be bringing relief To the lighthouse in the form of a Fourth attendant Joseph Moore as he approached the island, he noted there was something off, as the relief flag was not flying and no one was anxiously waiting for their arrival at the landing at the dock. He sounded the whistle and shot a flare to try and catch the lighthouse keeper's attention, but the island remained silent, thus Moore was sent ashore to investigate. In his report of the events, Moore stated that he noted the kitchen door was the only one that he could open to enter the lighthouse, and the outside gate was closed. Upon entering the, light the unlocked lighthouse, he immediately knew that something was wrong, Inside, he found that no fire was lit to ward off the damp coldness, the beds were unused, and all of the clocks had stopped at 3am. All the clocks had stopped at 3am? Yeah. How did he know it was not 3pm? Because a clock at 3 is just... That's a very good question, actually. Because yeah, a clock is just, like, if it's a digital clock, maybe, but, like, if it stops, then it's just out. I don't know. The researcher said that uh, said 3am. It's probably because, like... Oh, it's the witching hour. Ooh. Oh, okay, great. Oh, like, let's spook everyone. So also, one oilskin jacket remained on its usual hook, suggesting that one man had gone outside in shirts in short sleeves. And that, uh, But there was no sign of Donald, James, or Thomas. That is creepy. Yeah. So basically, one uh, one oilskin was missing. Or one Sorry, one oilskin was remaining, and the other two were missing. So it seems like two of them had gone outside wearing their oilskin coat, and then one of them went outside without it. And this is middle of winter on an island in the northern Atlantic Ocean. And especially because the reason they hadn't been relieved was harsh weather. So yeah. I'm going to so guess that it would be cold as hell. You'd be risking your own life if you went out without a jacket. Yeah, okay. That is... 
Moore became in increasingly worried about his fellow keepers, and returning with help, he searched the lighthouse from top to bottom. He also checked and discovered that the light was indeed in working order. So, so the light was not broken, so there was no reason for it to be out. Exactly. But I think back then, you need it was either candles or they had a bit of electricity. I'm not sure exactly. Like I think they should have some electricity because candles are not going to be enough to keep a lighthouse, well, right? No, they, they did have lighthouses which had like thousands of candles to light it or something like that. That is so excessive. Well, I mean, they needed something to like have like a big lighthouse. Just have a campfire. Yeah, that was my thought. But uh, apparently, there were some really old lighthouses that had like thousands of candles, and they'll need to start at, like five p.m. just lighting all the candles or something. And you're like done with the <laughs> like the last one, and the first one is out again. Yeah, just just imagine just like sighing or anything and just blowing out like twenty of them. <laughs> I'd just be like, oh god! I just throw myself off the lighthouse, honestly. <laughs> I'd be so done. In his reports of events, Moore stated that he noted the kitchen door was the only one that he could open to enter the lighthouse. Yet yeah, the fire had not been lit for some days, and everything within the lighthouse was in proper order. So everything was neat and tidy. For example, in the kitchen, all the washing was done and everything was cleaned up. In some articles, it states there was, there was one half-eaten meal left on the table. And that a chair was upturned, so it was lying on the ground. I feel like maybe the one with the half-eaten meal is with the guy that forgot his jacket as well, because the other yeah. two were just outside, and he's just having his dinner, and then something happened or something, and then he just stormed out. So when Moore returned to the ship, he told the captain of the disappearance and what he had encountered within the lighthouse. The captain ordered Moore to return to light the lamp. Three volunteers offered to stay with Moore and provide an even more thorough search the small island the next morning. Captain James Harvey quickly sent back a telegram to the mainland, which in turn was forwarded to the Northern Lighthouse Board headquarters in Edinburgh. The telegraph read, quote, A dreadful accident has happened at Flanand. Three keepers, Ducat, Marshall, and the Occasional, have disappeared from the island. On our arrival there this afternoon, no sign of life was to be seen on the island. Fired a rocket, but as no response was made, managed to land more, who went up to the station but found no keepers there. The clocks were stopped and other signs indicated that the accident must have happened about a week ago. Poor fellas, they must have been blown over the cliffs or drowned trying to secure a crane or something like that. Night coming on, we could not wait to make something of their fate. I have left Moore, MacDonald, Boymaster and two seamen on the island to keep the light burning until the, you make other arrangements. We will we'll not return to Oban until I hear from you. I have repeated this wire to Moorhead in case you are not home. I will remain at the telegraph office tonight until it closes if you wish to wire me. End quote. No, but... Okay, so he just left three others there after there was just yes. disappearance. Yes, so, so basically he... A, a bunch of others... Sorry, three people volunteered and then he, he left, I think, one or two other people uh, just so that they could search the island to see what happened. Can you imagine, though? Like, there are just three disappearances. No one knows what happens and you're just dumped on that island again. Yeah. It's like, hey, three people disappeared. Here you go. I'm going to leave you here. Go find them. <laughs> we have no idea what happens. Have fun. <laughs> a few days after the telegraph was sent, Robert Moorhead, the board's superintendent who both recruited and knew all three men personally, departed for the island to investigate the disappearances. His investigation of the lighthouse found nothing over and above what Moore had already reported. This is except for the lighthouse's logs. Uh, Moorhead uh, quickly noticed that the last few days the entries were unusual. Okay, so I'm going to read a few extracts from the, uh, the Lightkeeper's log. Basically, 
there's some things we should know. They they only record the time, weather, ships passing by, and how many ships pass by, and is always very precise and formal. Okay. And there's always a principal lighthouse keeper who writes in the log. Normally, there's a chalkboard which they write next to, and then the uh, the principal lighthouse keeper, which was Ducat, he will write stuff down in the log. So the log was off limits for everyone except for Ducats. Pretty much. Okay. Weird thing, all of these entries, they were written in Marshall's handwriting, the 28-year-old. Okay. And the logbook entries reads, December 12th, gale, north by northwest, sea lashed to fury, storm bound. 9am, never seen such a storm, everything ship shape, to cat irritable. 12pm, storm still raging, wind steady, storm bound, cannot go out. Ship past sounding foghorn. Could see lights of cabin. To cat quiet. MacArthur crying. December 13th. Storm continued through night. Wind shift west by north. Do cat quiet. MacArthur praying. 12 noon. Grey daylight. Me, Ducat, MacArthur prayed. December 15th. 1pm. Storm ended. Sea calm. God is over all. Wait, when was this? December? 15th. The December 15th, when, like, the last the ship reported yeah. that it was not on. Yeah. I, d- uh, I don't have what time the ship passed, but at 1pm, there, uh, there was a note. Storm ended, sea calm, God is over all. I would like to note that Marshall was known in Lewis as not being a religious man. He was one of the few that did not go to church. Really? So why, of all people... Maybe that's why he's unmarried. <laughs> just saying but also why why of all people would marshall the non-religious one of the three write god is overall and what what does god is overall mean is is it god is watching us is it god is god, god is, is over god is almighty god is cancelled god <laughs> is cancelled god is god is cancelled god is over but like yeah it for me, that's what really got me interested in, in this conspiracy theory story, whatever you want to call it. Maybe he just wanted to fuck with people. Maybe. I, I, I don't know. It's For me, it's really confusing. But, I don't get it either. Uh, so, I, uh, so I'll carry on. Moorhead conti- continued his investigation. And investigation. <laughs> <laughs> Moorhead continued his investigation and confirmed that most of the details previously given to the board were... Yeah, we're correct. Everything that uh, Moore had said, correct. Uh, he also found that there was damage to the western dock landing. He also found a large block of stone weighing just over a ton had fallen down the side of the pathway along with missing life buoy. Usually secured the, to the railing by rope had disappeared. In his report, he documented his findings as such. Quote, Owing to the mountain sea, I could not get down to the west landing place, but I got down to the crane platform about 70 feet above the sea level. The crane was found to be unharmed, the jib lowered and secured to the rock, and the canvas covering the rope on the barrel securely lashed around it. There was no evidence that the men had been doing anything by the crane. The mooring ropes, landing ropes, derrick landing ropes and crane handles, and also a wooden box in which they were kept, were displaced and twisted. A large block of stone weighing upwards of one ton has been dislodged from a position higher up and carried down and left on the concrete path from the the terminus of the terminus of the railway 
to the top of the steps. A life buoy fastened to the railing along this path to be used in case of emergency has disappeared. And I thought at first it had been removed for purposes of it, of it being used, but on examining the ropes of, uh, which had been fastened, I found that they had not been touched. And as pieces of the canvas were adhering to the ropes, it was evident that, that the force of the sea pouring through the railings had, even at this great height, 110 feet above sea level, torn the life buoy from the ropes, end quote. Wait, so the sea reached so, so high. Yeah, so basically, hang, uh, let, let me just, 110 feet in meters. So 110 feet is 33 meters. That is so high. Yeah. That is so terrifying. And so where the life buoy was fastened was 21 meters. So it was it was another 12 meters higher than that. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like not even two meters. I'm 183. Can you can you imagine just like standing? <coughs> sorry. Can you just imagine standing down there and just like seeing that giant fucking wave? It's like, well, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> this is how it ends. Great fun. It's like God, Satan. I hope you're up there. God is overall apparently. So <laughs> God is overall. <laughs> Maybe that maybe he just saw that giant wave and was like, "Okay, great, I'm gonna turn religious now." <laughs> okay, so one theory offered up by the men working the lighthouse superintendent between 1953 and 1957 stands above the rest. The story goes like this: In the evening after dinner, and a storm is raging outside, Thomas Marshall and James Decat go to secure the rope that goes down the cliff as the cook does the dishes. As Marshall and Ducat are working, a massive wave rips over the cliff and takes one over the side. The man left on the ground then sprints back to the lighthouse, gets Donald MacArthur, who, leaving in a hurry, doesn't take all his gear. And as, uh, as they work, another ungodly wave that takes, the pair, uh, takes a pair over the side. And from here, the island returns to its natural state, uninhabited. Thing is, there are a lot of reports saying that waves can't, like waves that big can't hit as quick as that. But also, then again, no one knows how long it would take for the one man to go to the lighthouse and then come back. It could have taken a bit longer and another big wave might hit. Another thing, mm. because a giant wave might rip off one of them. Mm. But like, then you just wait inside for a bit, right? <laughs> you don't just go like, oh, well, we just lost the guy. Let's go get the other one and finish the job. <laughs> Well, I, I, I think it's more that they wanted to go save him. That is like, also an option. But, like, he just... <laughs> no, you're, you're just like, I'll just fucking leave him to die. <laughs> yeah, but, like, he just got, like, ripped off the island and probably is... It's a long fall. They're high mm. up. It's a very long fall. So he, the chances of survival are, like, slim to none. There is one thing. No bodies have been found. Yeah, but on the other hand, if a body is dragged yeah. into the ocean... Yes, it could have gone out to sea, but also couldn't have body washed ashore. Maybe the sharks got to it. Maybe, yeah. There's, there's a hundred explanations for that. One of the more bizarre theories that has been put forward were the men were abducted by old-timely aliens. Old-timely aliens? Yeah. <laughs> I love... Not just, like, modern aliens. They were old-timely. Yeah, they were monocles and ships. <laughs> Honestly, I would kill to see an alien wearing a monocle and top hat. <laughs> Please. But, Little bow tie. <laughs> but also because the island had supernatural ties, they could have, uh, there are many theories saying that a cult came and uh, kidnapped them, pretty much. No, but, okay, I, I guess a cult 
could come by and kidnap mm. them. I don't rule out that this could happen. But the reason they didn't go to the island was because the weather was so bad that it was practically impossible to reach the island. Yeah. So it seems kind of far-fetched that there are some others that but, just were like, yeah, okay, the weather is shit, let's go kidnap some guys. But also those crazy cults are just like, hey, we don't care if we die. Let's, like, let's just sacrifice these men to, uh, to our Lord Satan. Fair enough. Rationality is not something you can look in for in the cult. Exactly. It's like, hey, we're, we're a rational bunch. We only kill on Sundays. <laughs> we only kill on Sundays, which is the Lord's Day. So that's why we kill then. by Lord, we mean Lord Satan. <laughs> Lord Satan. How many times have we said Satan in this podcast? <laughs> uh, can someone listening please count for us? Because I am too lazy to do so. Okay, so... One other plausible theory was that one of the men suffering from a form of isolation sickness became violent and killed uh, one of the other two men, or or the two men, and then himself. This relies on the evidence of the effects that isolation can have on a person is backed up by the fact that the relief vessel was late in a, when it arrived to the island. And this exact scenario did occur in 1960 uh, when a relief lighthouse keeper of another lighthouse in Scotland on the Isle of Little Ross... What a great name for an island. Little Ross. Um, so the lighthouse keeper, Hugh Clark, was shot by the assistant lighthouse keeper, Robert Dixon, at close range with a uh, .22 caliber rifle. Robert Dixon pleaded insanity and cited the stress and isolation of the job, contributing this factor to his mental decline. Okay, so the theory is one of them went insane. Pr- pretty much. And but and what I'm wondering, because you said all the clocks stopped at 3... A.M. P.M. Whatever. Apparently, yeah. And uh, how many clocks were there? Is there a record of that? I I didn't find any of that. Okay, but like clocks appear. There, there are at least multiple clocks. Yeah. And they are not digital clocks, so if they stop, it's the battery that stops working. Yeah. So. Or maybe they were wound up or something, but. Th- still, there is gonna be a difference if all of them stop, because. Exactly. Like. Or, or like the guy that went and say just rational, like just thought like let's stop all the clocks at the same time. What. Yes, the, the the thing that went insane, or the guy that went insane, maybe it could be that he changed the clocks, or like he, he, he got them to stop working, changed all the clocks to make it seem like one of the other men had did it during his shift. So when the other two would have been sleeping, the man, uh, the man who was supposed to be on his shift went and killed the other two. So maybe it was a setup. Maybe. But why would the clocks have to do something with the setup? I don't... I don't know. What I'm thinking, because if he went insane because the person was late, maybe mm. he thought, if I stop the clocks, time won't will go differently in my head, and maybe. it will seem like no time has passed till the next one is there, so that it feels like I'm not f- relieved very, very late. Mm. Well, considering this theory, neither Moore nor Moorhead noted any conceivable murder weapons as missing, and that no evidence was of violence was found, so... Yeah, but, like, murder is pretty easy over there. You just push someone off a cliff. Ex- yeah, exactly. So, you know, you don't need a murder weapon for that. Just push. Yeah. Like, like, what, like one one thing is, like, one of the guys pushed the guy off the cliff. The other guy tried to stop him, like, saw it from the kitchen. Though, actually, apparently, from the kitchen, you could not see where the men supposedly went over at the western landing. Hmm. So, and I was, uh, was going to say, maybe he heard his cries for help, but also in a stormy weather and stuff. I don't think you'll be able to hear them. Yeah, I feel like because 
I barely hear anyone when they're outside right now, let alone when there is a lot of wind. I barely hear anyone because I've got selective hearing. Fair enough. <laughs> no, but like, you're in a little tough. Like, if you're near the sea and it's really stormy, you hear the sea, like nothing yeah. else. That shit is loud. Yeah. But yeah, so basically, Mohead's initial suggestion suggesting that the high winds were the cause or high winds and waves due to the, uh, due to the damage of the western dock, however, upon later musings, he withdrew from this as his final conclusion. On the subject of the high winds carrying the men over the cliff's edge, he stated, as the wind was westerly, I am in opinion that notwithstanding its great force, that the more probable explanation is that they will, they've been washed away. So originally he did think that the wind blew him over, because apparently there have been reports of like lighthouse keepers carrying something heavy and then the wind like taking them like 10 meters across the ground like imagine being five meters away from the edge and you just get blown over the cliff face that's scary as hell yeah so um but also it is simply as if the three men walked off the island never to be seen again and over, uh, over the following decade, subsequent lighthouse keepers at Aylenmore have reported strange voices in the wind calling out the names of the three dead men Several speculations have emerged, but the fact remains the mysterious disappearance of the, of the three lighthouse keepers remains unsolved. But, okay, so they people heard their names being called in the wind. Yeah. But on the other hand, everyone knows the stories. So eventually, if there's a lot of sound... I still think sometimes that my mom is calling me downstairs and she didn't yeah, call like, my name. So if you, th- just, like, if you think you are going to hear something, you are going to hear something. Mm. So... That might not. On the other hand, though, if it's multiple people who all just were like, "Yeah, I heard those people being called," yeah. and there's multiple records of that, that's also scary as hell. Uh, yeah, but also for me, it's just like, like I don't believe it because it's just like, yeah, wind's playing like wind's playing tricks with your brain and stuff. It's just like, yeah, okay. I don't think it's necessary. <sighs> yeah, I, for, for me, I just don't believe. It. But that's also the skeptic in me. What what I believe happened is that they. One of them got like got blown over by uh, by a gust of wind. One of them tried to get help from the other, and another gust of wind or a huge wave knocked them off. Because that's all fun and games. Because that sounds logical, you know. Yeah. That is that that's that's that sounds like a ret- rational declaration. Like yeah, it, it could happen. The thing that bothers me though is the fact that the clocks stopped at the same time. Yeah. The light, the light is in working tact. Doesn't really matter. That's not a point. So the the clock stopped. The light. Well, it depends. It's a, if the light were an electric light, it could just be on, you know. So mm. then it should still be on because it was in working order. And also, the fact that Marshall wrote shit in the journal in the logbook. Because uh, as I said, I'm. Like I am skeptic, but I am open to trying to believe in stuff. Like I like I want to be convinced, but I'm I'm also trying to look up now to see like hey like what are lighthouses made out of in uh, the 1900s? Because they uh, had light bulbs back then, so you know. Yeah, like I'm I'm pretty sure it was electric, but and and as you said, it it could just be turned on, but I I guess maybe it might need to be wound up or something. Mm. But still, the clocks stop at the same time. Marshall wrote some weird shit about God while yeah, he is th- not religious. 
uh, Marshall Road just in general because that is weird because only Duquette was allowed to write down. Yeah, and then what happened? And then saying that Duquette quiet and MacArthur crying. Apparently MacArthur was like an like an ex Navy man, like so he's big and burly. I think I even have pictures somewhere. With so yeah, like I've got, uh, I've got a picture here of the three men. Oh, those are great mustaches. And then, uh, and then you see it, you see at the top it's got uh, their names, and I think MacArthur is the big burly one. You see he's quite broad and an ex Navy. Like why would he be crying at a storm? He's Navy. Like he's maybe PTSD. Could be. Like a lot of loud noises. He's just yeah, remembering the actually, hardship of war. Actually, that, that that's a very good point because also like mental health, mental health illnesses was not a thing back then. Um, but also, yeah, I've um, I'll upload the image of these men onto the Perceptive Podcast uh, uh, Instagram, which is Perceptpod on the Perceptive Pod. <laughs> you hate me for that name, don't you? <laughs> like any time I say, I just get a sigh and a look of disbelief from uh. you. <laughs> uh, I just love the bio. Well, you you did help me think of that. Yeah, I did. That's why yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, like, 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 I'm just ecocentrical. <laughs> Not the point. But anyway, back to this lighthouse. It's I don't know. For me, I think the log I, I the logical answer is the one that I believe. Like I I don't believe anything mysterious or satanic or whatever happened. Yeah, but, but Satan is so much more fun. True. Okay. Yes. Like yes. <laughs> it's it's fun theories, but like. Come on. No, but also, okay, I get that you believe, like, the logical thing, mm. but I still find it weird that, like, clocks don't just stop at the same time. That and people don't just turn religious. Yeah, so, so, so see, that there are factors that make me go, hey, hold up, like, what the fuck? Because, also, then again, I wouldn't be talking about this if there weren't factors that made me go, hey, what, like, what is going on here? Okay, fair. I don't, I don't know. I just... I feel like... Because, okay, so they don't have a boat. Because if they had a boat and the boat disappeared, that would be part of, like, all of it. Yeah. So they couldn't just have left. Yeah, so, th- so they couldn't just have left. And they were supposed to get relief five days later than the last post in the logbook. But, um, yeah, due, due to bad weather, it came late. So I don't know. It, it, it seems peculiar. It seems weird. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> I can edit. I can Pecul- edit this out. Peculiar. Pe- pe- weird. <laughs> I can't say stuff. I'm weird. I'm weird. <laughs> you are weird. I I agree. Oh god, I'm so tired. My brain is racked from thinking about all this stuff because like, I, okay, I like I I just don't understand it. I don't, I don't either. Like, I'm so annoyed. I like, want to know. <laughs> but we won't be able to find out because it's never been solved. God damn it. What if one day, like, people just investigate the island and, like, all three men are just found in the ground? Yeah, but, okay, how are they all in the ground? I don't know. Just because magic. one of them has to be bur- to bury the others, and he can't just bury himself. And also, if they looked over the island, they would find, like, a place where... There was being shuffled and... Yeah, so, like, there's been nothing. They found no trace of anything. Okay, then, still, they probably fell into the ocean. Yeah. Because then, if if you fall into the ocean and there's, like, no land for 100 kilometers, like, your body can just, like, drown. Yeah, so, like, so, the closest island was Lewis, which was 30 
32 or 36 kilometers away. I can't remember off the top of my head, but like, still, it's it's, it's, an, it's a small island. Like, the chances of you landing there are n- slim to none. Yeah, and you probably get dragged out further into the Atlantic Ocean than uh, s- uh, stay within Europe. Yeah. So, but I still find it weird. I still, f- because mm-hmm. there are like just. Just the clocks. The clocks are the main thing that I find where it's like I get maybe the logbook because like they he said Marshall is quiet, so maybe Marshall was feel- not feeling well and he was just no Marshall. The cat was quiet, so he was yeah. like, maybe just not feeling well or shit. And the, the crying could be indeed PTSD. Yeah, but then but but, but then on the sem- December thirteenth it says, "Grey daylight, me Ducat MacArthur prayed." So so even. Uh, Marshall, who was not a religious man, he was praying, apparently. It could just be a really fucking bad storm. Yeah. I don't I don't know. It's weird. It will remain unsolved. And I think this is where we're going to call it. So, Mila, thank you for joining me on this podcast. No problem. Happy to be here. It was actually very, very fun. <laughs> okay, it was so great. much fun. And I uh, hope we get to do this again soon. Hopefully. And for, I'm always down. And for all you listeners... Um, if you want to follow me at the Perceptive Podcast, uh, Instagram and Twitter, both Perceptive Pod. So, hope to see you next time and goodbye. <laughs>